0: namaste and welcome back to another episode of the sapient today we have yet another guest who is maybe controversial or not i don't know you'd have to listen to him by yourself i will leave that judgment up to you so welcome motor hi um
1: i'll start off i suppose by giving you a little bit of background about who i am and uh what i want to talk about um i'm 22 years old i've Just finished a master's degree in law at the University of Edinburgh. Before that I studied a degree in law at the University of Oxford. Um, For uh, a number of years now I've been socialist and I'm active in British left-wing politics. Uh, In 2015 I joined the Labour Party to support left-wing and Jeremy Corbyn. Um, I have given public speeches on topics like healthcare and constitutional rights. Um, I have been been active in the Labour Party, trying to support them to get elected for a number of years. Uh, until last year, I left the Labour Party in protest at its new leader, a man called Keir Starmer. Maybe I'll go into a bit more detail about why later on. But effectively, I'm here to talk about my ideas around politics and especially socialist politics Um, and perhaps sort of address why left-wing politics has been stuck in a rut now for so long why left-wing parties in countries like britain and in other places like france and germany um, and and all across the world really are not doing as well as one might have hoped they are uh, and my hope is to talk a little bit about why that is uh, and what I think the future is for the left in politics and why we need to change our vision and come up with new ideas going forwards. Um, any any questions on that, I suppose? I'm,
0: I'm not yes. too sure where to take it from there, so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll let you jump in. So why did you like leave the party when you, you could have just stayed in there and, you know, like, right to made it right?
1: Well, it was a difficult decision for me. And I'd, I'd agonized over it for quite a long time. I, I suppose to answer that I'll have to give a little bit of background on sort of what's been happening in the Labour Party over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So when I joined it, or, or most of the time when I was a member, the Labour Party was led, as I say, by a man called Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, and he came from the old left wing of the party, um, very sort of traditional left wing Labour Party values. Um, and, and his policies were things like, you know, nationalise public services like railways and energy companies and water companies and take those into state control. He wanted to uh, redistribute wealth, increased taxes on the wealthiest 5% of income earners and... Uh, large corporations and spend more money on things like healthcare, education and, and stuff like that. Um, so very, very sort of, in the modern sense, uh, traditional left-wing values. Um, but then uh, the Labour Party lost Britain's most recent general election, which was held in 2019, just before the COVID pandemic started. Um, and they lost it very, very badly. Um, The Labour Party got um, about 200 seats in Parliament, um, and there's a total of about 650. The Conservative Party got its largest majority since the 1980s. Of course, after that, he resigned uh, and was replaced with a man called Keir Starmer, whose background is in, he was a human rights barrister, and he was in Britain the Director of Public Prosecutions as well, before becoming a Labour MP. And his attitude was the Labour Party lost the last election because it was too left-wing. This was effectively what his view was. And when he became leader, he set about trying to make the party much more moderate and centrist in its attitude. So currently as leader, he has scrapped pledges to renationalise public services that used to be state-owned in the 1970s. He's... uh, scrapped pledges to abolish tuition fees for students uh, and scrapped pledges to give greater rights to trade unions and, and, and all these sorts of things which in Britain are sort of very important for the left wing. When he first got elected, I tried really, really hard to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, OK, well, I don't agree with everything he says, but let's try and give it the best shot and make, uh, make it work. Uh, And I was really very vocally supportive of him when a lot of other people were were leaving the Labour Party. And I said, no, no, you have to give him a chance. You can't just give up on it straight away. um, But the longer he he was leader of the Labour Party, I mean, he's been leader since 2020 now. So he's had two and a half years, roughly. He's kept going back on more and more things that made me want to join the Labour Party in the first place. Um, under Jeremy Corbyn, you know that there were a lot of problems, but I felt like Corbyn was a man who really, really cared about the lives of ordinary people and working class people and people who are perhaps the underdogs in our society. Um, and that was what attracted me to Labour in the first place. But unfortunately, Keir Starmer has very elitist attitudes and seems to be spending more of his time and effort trying to attract support from wealthy donors and corporations and lobbyists to make themselves seem acceptable to the elites in our society and as a point of sort of principle I, I don't think that's what left-wing parties should be about um and that's why i that's why i left really it was just this sort of slow abandonment of everything that made me want to be there in the first place until i sort of realized oh hang on a second this isn't the organization i joined It's totally different now i i can't Mm -hmm. be a member of this
0: do you feel like almost every political party in this world is similar to that it's like (laughs) it's like there is this line in the sand and it moves up like further or back whenever it is like it suits them
1: yeah yeah I, i i definitely get that sense i think What's happened in the modern world is ever since the fall of the Berlin Wall, the the end of the Soviet Union, I mean, we can debate the the rights and wrongs of that. I think the Soviet Union did a lot of bad things. But whatever you think of that, since the end of the Cold War, left-wing political parties especially have been on the retreat and have been abandoning more and more of their policies. And you see this really, really strongly in Europe. Um, with the Labour Party in Britain, the Social Democratic Party in Germany, the Socialist Party in France, all of these parties in the 1970s were mass movements of the working class and the trade union movement. They they really really cared about fighting for social improvements, for better welfare, for better you know workers' rights and things like this. But since the 1980s and the sort of right wing revolution brought in by ronald reagan in america and margaret thatcher in britain and various other world leaders and then the end of the cold war just shortly after that it feels like the left wing are out of ideas and can't appeal to the people who used to vote for them and can't appeal to new voters either and so we're kind of stuck in this position where the right wing in politics keep going further right. And you see this with with things like Donald Trump in America and Brexit in Britain and Marine Le Pen in France and Modi in India, these more nationalist, populist figures pushing politics to the right. And instead of resisting that and saying, no, no, actually there's a different way of doing things, we can be a more unified society, we can have more social values, we can look after everybody the left wing are chasing their tails to catch up with them. And it's not the right strategy instead of trying to show people a different way of being that the left wing are instead moving further and further across that line in the sand.
0: Mm -hmm. Got it. Here is what I think about politicians. Politicians are just like talented actors. (laughs) Um, and here is something that, you know, someone said that elections are not about manifestos or you know policies, it's a popularity contest between two people um, to see who is more charming and whoever can put their point across more firmly or with more clarity, like just wins the election, right?
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I think a lot of people feel that way. And again, especially more so in recent years than it used to be, you know, like in Britain, we have loads of politicians, like our current Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, leader of the Labour Party, Keir Starmer, Boris Johnson, all these people are what I would call all spin and no substance. It, it is just a popularity contest. They're trying to appeal to the newspapers and the TV stations and, you know, make themselves look good. But but there's no ideas there. People are not having, or politicians rather, are not having the same debates that they used to about the kind of society we want to live in. I, I don't think it's always been this way. You know, you go back to the 1950s, the 1960s, and I think politicians were a very different type of person. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there have always been crooked politicians, sleazy politicians. But the sense I get is that in the 1960s and around those times, people were willing to have more ideological debates about what kind of world we want to have. What kind of system do we want to live in? And, and this is why you know, having a strong left wing and a strong right wing is so important, because you get that debate. Nowadays, as you say, it's not about the manifestos, it's about the personalities, because all the different parties basically agree with the same fundamental set of ideas. We live in, uh, I guess you could call it a neoliberal age, we live in this sort of global capitalist world now, and all different kinds of political parties have accepted that, you know, Margaret Thatcher famously in Britain said in the early 1990s, she said, there is no alternative. And that's why our politics are just becoming a popularity contest, Mm -hmm. because nobody's willing to give an alternative.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. And it, you know, like, I have like, I'm I'm not as intelligent as you, you know, like, I'm just an average person. here is what I believe if you want any hope for this world, is there has to be just three simple rules for politicians. You cannot do business, right? You cannot dwell yourself in commerce, you cannot trade. Okay. And third is like you are susceptible to be a public figure. Lot of I, I see you know a lot of shit thrown around from right, left, center. You know top and bottom you know i'm pretty sure in next 10 years there will be like top wings and bottom wings i mean you know there has been so many like this new terms that really do not make any sense and almost are pretty similar um, in ideologies and how they look at the world i feel like just simplify it you know just bring it down to a very basic level um and there is another term i think i think you would like to debate on it's the part of, of equality mm. so my question is what is your definition of equality because i am highly against it just to even start um yeah i i don't believe in equality because it does not exist is what i believe so i want to understand what is your kind of perspective on equality
1: okay well uh, i'll i'll Answer both the points you made, made one after the other. I'll start with the first one first. Um, first. Three basic rules for politicians. <laughs> I, I'm glad you mentioned not doing uh, commerce, actually, because we've had in Britain a huge number of scandals recently. Yes, that's politi- why I mentioned it. Right, there you go, exactly, yeah. Um, And, you know, during the COVID crisis in Britain, it came out that the government had been how do you describe it basically what they've been doing is giving contracts to businessmen who donated money to the conservative party um even though they had no experience making um protective equipment or even though they had just been created like a couple of days ago they were the ones that got the contracts and just coincidentally had been giving money to the government Uh, I wonder what happened there. So yeah, um, there is a real problem in politics with politicians who are self-interested. You know, Rishi Sunak, it's just transpired uh, the other day that he, um, I can't remember exactly the details, he set up a a childcare scheme whereby individuals will get money from the government if they register as a childminder with a private corporation. And then it comes out that this private corporation, Rishi Sunak's wife has shares in it, and he did not declare that. So uh, it's been it's been ruled now that he inadvertently, in quote marks, mm-hmm. um, broke broke the rules on transparency. And you know, I think it's a real problem when you have billionaires. I hate to say it, like Rishi Sunak in in politics. You know, I'm sure he's a lovely person. I, I don't have anything against him as an individual. But politics is meant to be for everybody. And, of course, somebody who is in the top, you know, 1% of our society is not going to be able to represent the needs of ordinary people. You see him going around, Uh, um, in fact, there was one item in the news a a while ago where Rishi Sunak had asked a homeless man if he was in business, and it's like, you know, very out of touch. You think, you look at these people, most politicians fall some way into this category, and you think, you don't understand how life works, do you? You know, you've never worked a day in your life, or or you've certainly never worked a day since you got elected, and you think, what are you playing at, you know? you don't understand what, what things are like for the rest of us. and So, of course, you're not going to make good decisions about which laws to pass. Coming on to your uh, second point, how would I define equality? That's a really good question. Um, it's a really difficult issue. Out of curiosity, before I answer, I would, I would love to know from you, um, how would you define equality? like and why do you think it, it
0: doesn't exist or, or can't exist rather because i, I here is a very simple like logic that um you know like people in progressive mindset don't do not understand at all one simple thing that people do not understand is people are not equal by any means people are different and here is a like spoiler alert for my audience men and women are different totally different so when when usually feminists progressive feminists talk about equality it's a dystopian future that they're talking about um because whenever i have seen the topic of equality comes up then they gave the smartest answer of, you know what? It's not equality of result rather than its equality of opportunity. And I'm like, you are the dumbest like person I have ever talked to or spoke to. Um, here is why. You see, when there is there is this whole conversation of equality, right? You know, big equality. Nobody talks about pay discrepancy in fashion industry. Nobody talks about pay discrepancy in HR, that is human resource. Nobody talks about pay disparity in nurses in different countries between men and women. What they always talk about is sea suits, you know, like CEOs, CMOs and blah, blah. And then this, they talk about equality in terms of higher positions that is having quota in, you know, parliament, um, local boards and all these things and i'm like yeah that's literally the i think that's the definition of cherry picking you are just choosing what is right for you you don't give a shit about equality because if you gave a shit about equality you would not be speaking in these terms where you are saying you know what i want 50% ceos who are men 50% who are women or you know 50% white 50% black or whatever is your you know equality uh, parameter and i'm like I don't think you want that. Here is why: if your father had a heart attack, you want the best surgeon, you know, the best cardiologist to be there, not not the one who is who is there just because of equality, right? So that's what we call it a skill hierarchy. And when people talk about equality, they always forget this skill hierarchy that people have it's this famous bullshit story by oprah winfrey um i think you might have heard of it where she quit a show because she was getting paid less than a man to do the same job all right okay my question is if you truly believe in equality did you make sure that all of your staff was always paid the equal amount like absolutely equal if you, if you got a dollar you know you your staff ha- also has to get a dollar I don't think so right because not Mm. every staff of Oprah Winfrey show today is settled in Hawaii you know it does not happen so this whole idea of equality is just is just like a it's like it's like a bullshit scam that people want to do just either because they're just feeling fucking depressed they don't have shit to do or because they are eyeing for those positions that would not be available to them otherwise Interesting,
1: yeah. I I see where you're coming from. (coughs) Sorry, (coughs) bear with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I see where you're coming from. I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but I think you do raise an important point, which is, hmm, well, I I guess what what you could put it down to is it's the difference between liberalism and socialism. And I'll, I'll come back to this point in a second, but like to give some context. One of, I think, one of the biggest problems with the left in today's world is you go back to the 1960s, 1970s. I mean, we, we did, you know, it must be said, have huge problems with misogyny and racism. And to a large extent, I think we still do. Um, you know, there are hate crimes. People, even sadly, even in today's world, you can still get beaten up or murdered for being the wrong race or the wrong sexual orientation and so discrimination is something that does definitely happen but there has been a a marked change in the socialist movement which a lot of people have talked and written about in recent years which sort of started in the 1990s after after the end of the cold war that was when everybody all these left-wing political parties sort of made peace with capitalism and said okay we're not going to fight the free market anymore, we're gonna get behind capitalism and you know, people like Tony Blair in Britain and uh Gerhard Schroeder, who was the Chancellor of Germany at around the same time. All these left-wing political parties gave up on fighting for economic justice and said, Okay, we will accept the inequality of capitalist society. But at the same time, they said we're going to put greater emphasis on. I guess, what you could call social equality. So the Labour Party in Britain, when it was in government under Tony Blair, they did not, you know, give greater rights to trade unions. They didn't try to bring back regional, a better level of regional inequality. They did, however, um, legalise same sex adoptions and civil partnerships uh, and folks on stuff like that. And, and they did have anti-poverty measures as well, though arguably it was really a drop in the ocean. But whenever you think of it, the, the point is that when the left stopped fighting for economic justice, they sort of replaced it with this vision of social equality, which is exactly, as you say, equality of opportunity. Everybody is not equal under capitalism, there are extreme inequalities of wealth, but everybody should have an equal chance, regardless of race, regardless of sex, regardless of sexual orientation, and so on. And I think, sad to say, a a lot of working class voters abandoned left-wing parties because of this, or at least in part because of this, because they saw these left-wing political parties supporting right wing economics and making the poorest poorer and the rich richer and then spending a lot of time talking about say, as you say feminism and, and I really don't I don't think feminism is a bad thing in and of itself I, I believe everybody is born equal in the sense that you know nobody should be discriminated against I, I hope that that's an uncontroversial principle nobody should say you know, not be allowed to get a bank account because they're a woman. Everybody should be able to vote, things like this. But what the the left stopped doing was trying to challenge the huge inequalities of wealth that existed under capitalism, and this left a lot of people behind. Uh And when you see, you know, huge amounts of people in formerly, you know, left-wing working-class areas, like Pennsylvania in America, the north of England here, uh, who used to vote for left-wing parties and now vote for right-wing parties, this sort of sense of abandonment is part of the reason why. Uh, And they have this sort of view which is, you know, oh, these um, bloody liberals are spending more time talking about black people and women than about the real working class. I think it's a cynical view, and it's a bitter view, and it's not very helpful to anybody but you can chart where that comes from and it comes from the failure of working-class political movements to stand up for economic justice and to challenge these massive corporations that that really control the world in a certain sense um but where we go from here is is very very difficult because i i do think you know most people accept in principle that there is a certain sense of equality we have to strive for but it's very very clear at the same time that this modern notion of equality is very half-baked it's as you say um it's very shallow and insincere you know why are we talking about having 50 percent of corporate boards be women when those same corporations are chasing farmers off the land and, you know, murdering trade union leaders. It's like, we've got our priorities wrong. Uh, and this really is is the difference between liberalism and socialism. Liberalism believes in this equality of opportunity and, oh, everybody being able to be capitalist and, you know, everybody having the same chance to rise to the top. But not talking about the fact that actually most people will never get a chance to rise to the top because, you know, they they earn, you know, minimum wage or they earn a few dollars a day or they work in a sweatshop or they're homeless, you know, we, we need to go back to talking about the, the, the things that really matter to our society. And I do believe that equality is possible when we focus on the right issues. I don't think anybody wants, you know, us to spend our time making sure that half of corporate boards are made up of women. I think more people want us now in the modern world to say, look, capitalism isn't working. There's too much poverty. There's too much inequality, uh, inequality of wealth. And this doesn't help anybody. And, you know, you can see that, yes, there are certain things that affect women or affect ethnic minorities. Perhaps more deeply than they affect white people. I, I, I honestly I don't have any statistics to hand to, to back that up, but I, I've certainly seen it reported on by, you know, the Trade Union Congress in Britain and the British Medical Association that there are genuine problems with, with you know racial and sexual discrimination. But the left needs to talk about that as well as these other issues of economic justice and i think that's that's how you bring people together that's how you bring people together Mm -hmm. is instead of turning left-wing parties into this very cosmopolitan middle-class sort of liberal party a real socialist party is one that stands up for everybody and says we need to tackle you know the problems at the root cause instead Mm -hmm. of tackling the symptoms it's it's the difference yeah between mm-hmm. symptoms and causes and and we need to we need to go back to that sort of slightly mm-hmm. older vision of economic so
0: justice. he like i caught like four things um that i would like to like you know like get back on um you said something about you know same sex uh, same sex and all these things um so i think there are three things that a government be it freaking dictatorship like north korea i don't give a shit should never get into okay one is sex second is religion third is children like these are the three things that's off limits to any government and this fact that government can tell you whom to have sex with is is just like bananas you know it's like it doesn't make sense and those people who wrote the who wrote those laws i'm pretty sure even they did not know what the fuck they were doing so that's one. And second thing is, you said something about capitalism, and I am a very like, endeared like historian of Russia, Russia and you know Soviet itself. I have studied it, you know, like front and back and all these things, you know. I have uh, studied countless stories of horror and you know like joy, everything. You know, and I always say this that <clears throat> if you give me an option between like democracy or any other kind of um you know like government structure i would still pick democracy here is why i could say fuck Biden and fuck Modi and nothing would happen to me first and second is you know i, I just like cars you know if i want to f- drive a ferrari you know what i can right it's all about um, because it's interesting, you, you talked about coal workers, you know, coal mine workers, and here is something sad about them, that is, they're just hard-working people. Like their brains are like peanuts, maybe. I'm not criticizing them; I'm just making a joke. You know, they are genuinely hardworking people, and I feel like any, uh, apart from capitalism, you know, any other kind of social structure will always discount hard work and you see like there are coal miners that i have you know like i don't know them but i have seen them changing their profession from coal mine to all rigs or to something else that they like and the fact that people are blaming like capitalism itself saying you know capitalism is like the fucking evil i'm like okay let's let's chill and just look at it for a second right if you look at it, there is something called as repurposing of skills. Right? In India, it happened, you know, in India, there was an arms and ammunition factory that closed down. So central government was like, Okay, these many people in this community are going to be affected. And we know that what do we do, we come out with schemes where we repurpose their ability to work hard. So there are plans like, you know, Manrega and you know, like many labor works where you work For the development of the country but government pays you and they pay shit amount like truthfully but that's an option right if you have nothing something is better still so that's one way but if you look at west virginia as a state right it has like it it has like shitload of like coal mine workers like why don't you put them in doing something positive just build a school instead of giving it out to a private you know private contractor right you train people you train and You know people who are willing to work hard will always learn faster and i feel like you know like it's not the fault of capitalism it's the fault of politicians and the way our governments are set because as you said with rishi sunak you know like he fucked up big time now isn't it and um you know people think that they're smart when they do something wrong but they're not um it's like you know there is a famous proverb in india that when a cat is going to drink milk you know that cat is going to close its eyes thinking nobody is looking at me you know but everybody knows that that cat is stealing milk right so it's the same point of view that we have to like change our governance in order to help people like be better but um yeah like that's my point and and the last point like i want to tell you like from what you said is that you know like people talk about india in a very bad thing like you know like it's a fucking third world country blah 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 like whatever right you know we have castes, you know we have we have cows roaming in the street and you know like like all the shit that they want to talk about right yet there is 0.2 percent of homeless people in india You know like in in, just in freaking california there is 1.4 million homeless people and they claim to be the big brother of you know the world right they're like you know what we have the most perfect fucking government in the world and yet yet industries and business people and communities can lobby i always say lobby is lobby is like legal bravery oh yeah it's awful right it's like you know what like just give me like i don't know like a thousand pounds you know like okay what what crimes have you done okay your pardon just like you know like just go do the crime again so yeah like that's my thing like when when you were talking about all these things um i really picked out these things because i believe that i am not a pro like progressive guy or um you know very secular and I, i i don't give a shit dude because i'm here for 80 years you know i'm going to live and enjoy but i'm going to defend whenever someone is going to you know like cross the boundary of a person right you know ability to defend your land it's the simplest thing that i can um, you know give example to because i have seen you know like neo-nazis you know it's a very hateful term but talk about you know how great was so- soviet union i was like no it was not because you could not even own land
1: right yeah yeah I think I think you raise a number of interesting points. Um, Start starting off with what you say about coal miners. Yeah, um, real problem with it. Um, In Britain, one of the biggest, biggest um, mistakes that Margaret Thatcher made as prime minister in the 1980s. Well, I mean, uh, (laughs) I mean, it wasn't really a mistake because it was intentional, actually, um, but they they closed down. They basically ended the British coal mining industry. And so, you know, in a lot of Western countries, Britain and America are two great examples. You've had this deindustrialization where these sort of industrial sectors like coal mining, like steel, shipbuilding, um, and a lot of factory work have really, really declined. And the number of jobs that that exist in these industries have plummeted since the 1980s. Um, And in Britain, there was never anything to replace it. And because of that, you know, all throughout the 1980s, we had huge amounts of unemployed people claiming benefits from the government just just to eat. Uh, And these people, they're they're good people, hardworking people. They they could have been given something productive to do for society. But the government didn't give them any opportunities to retrain. The government didn't, say, for example, replace coal mines with nuclear power or... um, You know, they they could have opened factories building wind turbines, whatever you want to do. The point is, um, all these jobs now in Britain is not really an industrial country. Uh, It's all service economy. And so it's all, you know, call centres, offices, cafes, restaurants, you know, the the amount of employment in these sectors has exploded. And the the jobs that existed in Britain in the 1980s, 1970s, they, they were good jobs, like hard work. But for a lot of people felt, a lot of people felt it was a fair day's pay for an, for an honest day's work. Uh, and all these you know factories and things had trade unions and workers could go on strike for higher pay and to make sure they had proper health and safety and things like this. But there are no trade unions in a call center or a cafe. And, and so the quality of work we're doing in terms of you know like wages and stuff has sharply declined since the 1980s um while corporations are raking in massive profits and and that really is is the problem with inequality at least in britain is that the communities that, that had these industries shut down in the 1980s a lot of them have never recovered since then and they still have the worst problems with poverty and unemployment and crime disorder, all these things, because exactly, as you say, the politicians never gave people an alternative, gave them something else to do. Um, But the second point you made about um, blaming capitalism. Yeah. Well, no, I I mean, just to be very, very clear, I I, I don't support the the sort of style of socialism that existed in Russia, or the style that exists today in China. I, I think they're both pretty appalling ways of doing things (laughs) um and so yeah i i I can't disagree with anything you say there but i also at the same time i don't think capitalism has worked because you know you look at the statistics and there are tens of thousands of people that die each year from hunger there's i think something like two million deaths from uh, industrial accidents every year um, that 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 Uh, That is, according to the International Labour Organization. You know, look at the Bhopal gas disaster in India. That's a perfect example of capitalism in action, if you like. Uh, and, And the problem with the capitalist system is, and again, I'm not saying Russia is the right answer to it, but the problem with capitalism is that everything under capitalism, you know, literally everything you can think of in the world, is a commodity to be bought and sold for money. And so corporations have to look for the cheapest way to make things and sell things, the the biggest profits, because if they don't, somebody else will and they will go bankrupt. It's competition. And market competition is a race to the bottom. The corporation that wins will be the one that can pay its workers the least money, that can cut corners on environmental regulations, pollute the earth, cut corners on uh, health and safety, dangerous work. It's all about the money. Decisions are not made because they benefit the community, but actually businesses are forced to make the best decisions for themselves and the worst decisions for everybody else. And I'm not blaming capitalists for that, you know, that they're doing what they do they are trying to run a business. They, they have certain economic rules they have to follow or else they'll go, as I say, bankrupt. The problem isn't with the people, it's with the system that forces them to compete in this way um, and forces them to cut corners and exploit people just to keep running. And I think what we need to do now as a society is sort of look at these basic rules that make our society the way it is and come up with a better system. And, and I think there is a better system out there and hopefully that's what socialists are fighting for. And I think it, mu- it, it will be democratic, it has to be democratic because democracy is the only system that, that can guarantee people an equal voice. You know, the, 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 the Communist Party in Russia and China, just like, as you say, every other politician in the world, they're in it for themselves. Mm-hmm. They were never doing it, or well, maybe once they were doing it to help people, but, but certainly for most of the you know, Soviet Union's history, for most of the People's Republic of China, China's history, the decisions they've made have, again, been very beneficial to the people at the top and very bad to the people at the bottom. So I certainly agree that democracy is the right answer, but, but it, it can't be a capitalist democracy. Because of this market competition, if you want outcomes that are good for people, it you have to have a more egalitarian society that that is not driven by this need for profit. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'd say on that. Really, I, I think it's about a new way of doing things. It's not about going back to you know the Soviet Union. It's it's not about authoritarianism or telling people how to live their lives. It's about saying, look, we, we shouldn't live in a world dominated by corporate profits. We should be making decisions because they're good for people, not, not because they're good for corporations.
0: Mm-hmm. And here is what I believe um, out of what you said. Like, I understand and I agree that, you know, there has to be a better way of doing things. Um, but I present to you again an Indian example, because that's where I have lived you know like that's a topic i'm an expert about um, you know back in from you know we go, we got an act passed which is called as lpg that was liberalization globalization and privatization that was back in 1996 that opened all doors for india like whatever india is today it's because of that any development that you have seen now now what happened is um, you know just like literally history 30 seconds thing Um, in from 2002 2003 we started becoming heavily dependent on China for manufactured goods and services so it was like okay if I can build something for 10 rupees or let's say one pound you know China is able to do it for 80 cents you know like extremely cheap right and for almost until 2013-14 we were extremely dependent on made in china like it went to an obscene level where people would not purchase products from made in india you know they would they would think this is an inferior quality and lot of companies suffered during that time but but in 2014-15 when the new government came in they said you know right you know what like this circus has gone long enough so we are going to You know like put some kind of contingency plan where we are going to systematically yet slowly you know get rid of this bloodline that is running from china because not only there are neighbors they are our enemies you know they are land grabbers like trump is a pussy grabber you know china is a land grabber so you know we were aware of that issue and you know, like it's really interesting because before 2013, China used to just encroach on our on our land, and we would not do shit because you know our economy was dependent on them. And here comes a fucking savage asshole, whatever you want to call it, the prime minister. As you know, he came and he said, "You know what? No more Chinese products. We don't we don't want to invest money in developing trades now. Let's build indigenous, you know, indigenous products." And he was mocked for it, like lot of countries. Mock, they were like how the fuck are you going to do something that china is already doing and he was like you know what we will have higher costs on the product and that's what we saw you know initially indian products were costly little bit compared to chinese products and even till today in some um, categories you know that kind of price different exists but we as a country decided that you know what like we are going to be indigenous and control our economy where our people are not losing out um, you know because before that it was just importers and exporters making money now even the retail person who is who is selling you know stuff on the streets is earning money because it's indian made product and because tariffs are different you know he is going to get lower margin and you know subsidies and etc cetera, etc cetera, right so you know i just want to give this out as an example to those people who are listening india is not a perfect country by any means um but we found out a way to make this adjustment from you know extremely export oriented unit where we're just running numbers you know as you said you know just profit oriented businesses from there we went to something like indigenous like we are like okay you know what it's going to be costly it, it might suck a little bit at the start but we are going to develop you know everything on our own and like I know I am talking too much as a as a host but you know um, this is something that we've always learned because if you look at India India's history United States always hated us I don't know why okay it's like it's in inch in their DNA they have to hate us so when we went to them asked for you know because we have our own space agency so we went and asked for um, vacuum engines And they were like, you know what, you you might use it for a, a, um, you know, like a terrorism purpose. So Congratulations on the recent moon landing, by the way. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, I just want to give you one small fact about it. Um, Everybody says, you know, like this particular mission was very cheap, right? Um, You know, like it's very economical and that and this. So I just want to give you one small idea of how uh, like cost efficient it was um i'm just calculating yeah so you know like per kilometer how we uh when, when you rent rent a car you know you you measure the cost per kilometer right like how many kilometers did the car run and you know you divide the cost by that um you know a seven seater car in india if it, if you go on a rental it will cost you somewhere around 22 rupees uh per kilometer that's around 21 uh 0.21 pounds Okay? And here is like Isro's figure. They went from Earth, you know, from the moment it launched to the moon at just 0.15 pounds per kilometer. (laughs) That's the cost. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Yeah. So that's like, that will cost you lesser than a motor vehicle would cost you. So yeah. Anyways, I just got sideways there. Uh, Yeah. So as I was saying, um, you know because if you look at history you know we were not given nuclear uh, i hope you know that like we had to develop our own nuclear program because we were treated as uh, a terrorist like state and we, d- we did not get vacuum engines we did not get access to united states satellites in the earlier days because they said that you would use that to spy against us um like absolute nonsense shit. um but you know like um you know because of silk road and the historical value of it india and Mm -hmm. russia have always been close of friends so you know like united states has to pick a side, and they they pick pakistan you know like that's what they did right um they gave them abram tanks and nuclear weapons that they do not have the capacity to maintain so this kind of indigenous thing that people talk about today in united states or in even britain I, i see this kind of trend taking off where they're like you know like if it's local made i'll buy it now Mm. i would say like you people are like a little bit late to that trend we have been doing that for too many years now and i think that's one step towards a better better capitalist society where people are people are preferring people over money and just sheer profit margins so that's just the indian example for you Right, yeah. Um, I think I think the point about um the sort of
1: international balance of trade and tariffs and um, buying local is a hugely imp- um yeah no, I've I've written down some uh, uh notes uh as you were mm-hmm. talking stuff I wanted to respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest the biggest problem with this sort of global capitalist system we all live in is the fact that it's it's always and um you you made me think of this point when you were talking about um sort of india and uh technological innovation in india and the fact that you know it's not it's not the backwards country a lot of people think it is mm-hmm. um but like the, the problem with, with capitalism is as you said about california you know with with the homelessness thing mm-hmm is that the the most extreme wealth and the most extreme poverty are always side by side. And, you know, this is something uh, Adam Smith actually said. Um, He, of course, he was not a socialist. He was the founding father of capitalist economics, I I suppose. But in book six of The Wealth of Nations, um, he says that for for every wealthy person, there will always be, you know, 100 poor people. Because... Mm -hmm wealth creates poverty in order for for one person to be rich many many more people have to be poor capitalism is a game with winners and losers we can't all win it at the same time it's it's sort of very darwinist survival of the fittest and so we're all sort of climbing over each other to try and get the best deal we can and there will always be more losers than winners and so this idea which i see a lot of people in britain talk about of social mobility and oh we need to help bright and intelligent working class poor people to move up and you know advance their own lives i i grew up in poverty my family uh grew up, lived in poverty uh pretty pretty bad poverty certainly by british standards anyway and i did do that i i went to university i studied really really hard i got a degree uh but Okay, that's great for me. I have a degree now. I can, you know, go off and have a good middle class job or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that that doesn't do anything to help the people I left behind. That Mm -hmm. doesn't do anything to help the community I came from. And the pro- one, one of the biggest problems with, with sort of modern politics is this idea of individual self-improvement where, you know, it's, it's up to you, the individual, to take your enterprising spirit and go and make the best of yourself. But then what about everybody else who doesn't have those opportunities? What about, you know, socioeconomic problems in the community that stop people, you know, from going to university? Like, if you live in a broken home, if you're, say grow up in poverty and you're a victim of domestic violence and you know your school is terrible and underfunded you're never going to get into a top university The, the the sort of game is rigged against people who are already at the bottom the the dice are loaded and I think the problem is fundamentally as I as I said at the beginning that that wealth creates poverty we have so much in the world today i mean you know capitalism is really really great for technological innovation we have the steam engine the railways electricity the internet all these amazing things and you know artificial intelligence and automation that, that we're debating about now you know when i did my masters one of the big debates was about how lawyers should regulate artificial intelligence because it's going to become a real thing very very soon that that we're going to be using in factories and self-driving cars and all sorts and so we've got all this technology but because all of the patents are owned by private corporations and all of the factories are owned by private corporations and all the I guess property is centralised in the hands of a a few small groups of people, which you can call the capitalist class, whatever you want to call them, the economic elites who own all the resources, who have the mineral rights and and the machinery and the patents and everything. Because they own all of these things, all this amazing and wonderful technology we have is, is not being used to benefit ordinary people. And so, like, to give you an example, uh, which which is, I don't know, like, sort of on the horizon, I, I think the technology will be here very soon, to have packages and posts delivered by drones, right? And then you get rid of the postal service. And what happens to all those people who used to drive about delivering le- letters and parcels is those people are out of a job. Uh, and they have to, you know cope as best they can, try and find another job, probably with a lower salary, or retrain, which is a long and expensive process for a lot of people, or, or go on to state benefits and ask for a handout from the government. It's mad to me, and you know, to, to all socialists, really, that, that we live in this world where technological advancement actually is bad for people because it means they lose their jobs and their livelihoods. We, we should be now embracing modern future technology to make our lives easier so that we can all work less. But instead, all these new inventions just means that we have to work more, more harder, that we're more desperate, that you know, the people that own the machines, the factory owners and so on, the industrialists, the the corporations get to keep an even larger share of the profits. While the man on the, you know, the average man on the street is out of a job and has to go begging for scraps, and so that's that's the first point. Is you know the, the problem with capitalism is is that extreme amounts of wealth create extreme amounts of poverty.
0: The, okay, the other, um,
1: oh, I'll, I'll let you respond on that. Yeah, just
0: on. A, just a short point is, I believe and I know for a fact that. One person accumulating wealth, right, does not necessarily lead to another person's poverty. Um, Because here is a great thing about capitalism is wealth can be created. Like there is literally infinite amount of wealth if you are able to create a value to the society. And the one thing is like, What you said is like you know like all these industrialists have machines and money and you know poor people are always poor and all these things right um yeah you know like we had a term called as zamindars zamindars are those people who own like shitload of lands you know thousands of hectares of land and most of the third generations you know third generation uh our grandsons or granddaughters today are poor and that's not because of capitalism or it's not because of government it's just that people don't know how to hold on to money and you said something about drones and you know like technology replacing humans and i believe like this 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 conversation has been going on for probably like thousand years now that tools and things are replacing people and here is what i what i believe is technology always comes for the lowest hanging fruit those people who have no skills or maybe not have attempted to you know like learn new things or better things for example you are a lawyer right even if i wanted to train train an ai model i would need you right i could never get rid get rid of you because you would be an integral part of that particular system because then that ai becomes your servant right it is you know making your work easy now imagine a person you know who is a typographer right or you know a person who is just taking notes of course he's tend to be really uh, you know like replaced because he has lower skill and most of the times the problem is people are not really putting their efforts because no i'm not saying you know like they they don't want to study or they don't want to work but they do not have enough guidance and time in their life you know to put proper effort into these things and yeah of course capitalism of always will and has benefited those people who are willing to outwork other people you know because you and me could, could both be working in the same law firm right as you know like executives or whatever you want to call it as and i could like earn like 10 times more than you if i just worked smarter and now if if the conversation revolved around okay why is ganesh earning 10 times more than Sir, you know that doesn't make sense because you know the obvious reason is i you know i outworked you or i had better skills so this you know conversation or debate around you know like people are getting replaced by machines it it has always been going on and it will continue to do so and i believe i trust that like you have a concept of socialism um you know i don't want to be like uh, a a villain but very soon you know this working class is going to disappear it's not because of capitalism it's because of at the rate that we're just passing through this evolution phase that people won't be needing to work that much now because technology makes people's lives e- life easier okay and okay here is like because i work in technological domain like i am a digital marketer i have my own firm blah blah whatever you know like if i don't serve you you know you are not going to even talk to me like you don't give a shit about me right now i have seen other you know socialists talk about you know like technology is not being used to betterment of life so life life of people i'm like it has been used but it's just in so early phase that people have not adopted it yet you see today um, you know i don't know whether you're you know uh, you have seen this or not um, but in 2006 and 7 was the first time people saw iphones remember and you know i am from uh, i am 26 years old okay and if you talk to my generation and you, you ask how do you pick a call and we will show this symbol You know what does this stand for kids? This is a telephone, it's a landline, it has a fucking wire, and you know it does not work, and you have to pay exact you know, like fucking huge amount of money to do this, right? If you ask my niece what how to pick a call, they are he or she will do this, right? Because this is a fucking slab. You know, people don't understand the difference between a slab and a landline. Imagine now. Here is like where I'm being like kind of villainish that there is a human cost involved in evolution of humans. Like it's it you nobody can argue against it. There is always human cost involved in evolution of humans. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, like hardworking people who just want to keep working hard and not smart always get caught in this where they're like, okay, I don't know what the fuck to do now. And I know this one skill that is to drive around and to deliver, and I don't know what to do now. Now, that's the kind of you know like situation they have gotten themselves into. But here is where I am grateful for um, you know capitalism. You know, totally going against your narrative. I did not study digital marketing. I studied accountant and accountancy, right? So, just plus and minus and division, multiplication, all this bullshit. <laughs> you know like how to book balance books and all these things now i picked up digital marketing as a passion and i developed it as a skill right and from this conversation you might be understanding that i am pretty similar to a chipmunk in terms of intelligence okay i am not like a highly intelligent person no i'm not i'm just an average person but this kind of capitalist world where you know i want to benefit from you and you want to benefit from me has given me this opportunity to change my domain and i did not even know that i like digital marketing you know i uh here is it like there's a true story i went to an accountant job i did it for a month and by like second month i realized i will probably fucking die at 30 if i do this shit. and i got got out of his next day and i started doing digital marketing now um you know like that's the opportunity that that kind of capitalism has given me and certainly as me as a b- small business owner i understand what you're talking about you know big companies big you know big big people let's say you know like people who have everything bigger right now uh, you know i understand that but i also understand that if i'm able to work smartly you know i can also surpass them or i can be the next big dick guy here
1: Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from and, you know, all all power to people who do go and do that, you know, like, I don't think anybody has a problem with people who do learn new skills, who do make the best of themselves. I think it's a great thing, but the the problem is, or the problem with that is that, oh, well, like, how, how do I describe it? <laughs> I'm trying to think of the words. As, as I say, the thing about like capitalism is it's great for people who can take advantage of it. But unfortunately, the, the number of people who can do those things are always going to be very, very small in number compared to the rest of us. And there's always, always going to be this huge number of people who get left behind. And I totally agree with you. I think you know these traditional working class jobs, industries are on the way out. We, we're going to have a very, very different economy in the future but the problem is not not everybody can learn to be a lawyer not not everybody can learn to you know go into it tech whatever and what do you do with those people because they're going to be out of a job and i'm not saying that's a bad thing i think technological progress is it's a fact of life it's a good thing it it makes the world a better place but like You know, like you go back to the Victorian, the first industrial revolution in Britain in the sort of early 1800s, and when factories first started being created, uh, a factory worker would earn, I don't know, like two... I can't remember the exact figures, but the point is, first factories, right, they were skilled jobs. You had to learn a skill to work in a factory, and so these people were quite well paid. But then 40 years later, by like 1810, 1820, factory workers earned barely anything at all because of the spinning jenny and huge, huge advancements in the ability to pump out you know, cloth very, very cheaply in textile mills. And so all these skilled workers got de-skilled by innovation and new technology and suddenly found themselves living in absolute poverty, unable to feed their families. And like, yeah, it's fine to say, well, I'm all right, Jack, I I can do it. But not everybody can and and not everybody will be able to. And I know you say that yourself, you recognise that there is a cost to human evolution, that there always has been in the past. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, you know. I think on balance, most people would say that the Industrial Revolution was a good thing because we have computers and vaccines and all, all this sort of stuff as a result of it. But it, it does have a huge human cost. And, and the question you have to ask yourself is, is it, is it worth it? Yes, if it's necessary. But I, I, I think socialists believe that there is a way to do this a way to get technological innovation in a way that doesn't leave people behind so that we can have a society where everybody can take advantage of new opportunities. If like I'm just giving an example, if, for example, you know, land resources, industrial equipment were under public ownership instead of private ownership and belong to the whole community instead of to these sort of big industrialists that would benefit a huge amount of people because these technological innovations wouldn't put people out of a job they wouldn't leave people homeless and starving on the streets instead of saying we have a new machine that can do your job for you so get the hell out of here and you know go starve or learn a new skill instead of throwing people into insecurity you could say hey we, we have a new machine that can do your job for you. Now you only have to work two days a week instead of five days a week. And I'm, I'm not saying capitalism is, is morally bad. I think it's a fact of, as you say, human evolution. It's a stage of society. But now that we have so much advanced technology in the world, we create more than enough food to feed everybody in the world. We have, you know, more than enough economic growth and productivity to, to, to spread around so that people don't have to go hungry or you know live in houses that are falling apart, why don't we use the technology we have to provide for, for everybody instead of just the select few that, that can look after themselves? Because the rich will always be able to look after themselves and small business owners like yourself and, you know, mid- white collar professionals like me will always be somewhere in the middle floating around sometimes you might go up sometimes you might go down the the economy is a very unstable thing but we can provide for everybody we can you know have a society that works for everybody why wouldn't you if you have the opportunity i guess that's that's the question i'd be asking is what is the valid reason against it and my worry is that that the only reason i've ever yeah. managed to identify that people would oppose you know equality on, in that sense of the word is because it's beneficial for a handful of people like jeff bezos and elon musk and fair play to them you know they are the cream of the crop but they shouldn't be allowed to control what happens to the rest of us you know everybody should have a roof over their head, everybody should have clothes to wear, everybody should be able to eat. I I think that that is the only way we can rationally organise our economy, our society in the future if we want to avoid extreme amounts of poverty and suffering and riots and revolutions and civil wars is if we do live in a world that looks after everybody. And with problems like climate change and new opportunities like exploring outer space and going to other planets, I think now more than ever in the past, we desperately need to act as, as one world, as one race, the human race. I think it's, it's an argument about the unity of everybody living on the planet, because we can do it. We have the technology. The only thing that we lack is the political willpower to, to make it a reality.
0: Mm-hmm got it. Here is like what I'm picking up, you know, um, I think you are on a very right path, I would say, because you you are, um, you know, you understand this in a very different manner than I do, of course. And that's the that's a great thing about human brain. Um, (laughs) You know, it it wouldn't
1: be much of a debate if you just agreed with everything I said. So
0: yes, you know, I I don't know where, where I heard it. Um, It said that if you and you and me agree you know there is no need for one more person (laughs) yeah so i feel like you know like these people like jeff bezos and elon musk and blah 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 right okay they are you know like rich people but uh, you have to understand that they're just one bad investment away from just disappearing right you know for example if you look at elon right now you know, he was a how hot topic. You know, he was like the freaking um, you know, like reynolds of you know business people. Now, if you look at him, Tesla is down, spaces SpaceX is still doing some good work, but their Twitter. speed has definitely slowed down. You gotta mention and, Twitter. <laughs> oh my god, that's a shit show. I can't even like <laughs> yeah. you know that's the most obvious one. And you can clearly see that he's losing money and that wealth is going to go somewhere else and you know but i feel like what his intentions were when we took when he took over twitter was absolutely good he was like you can allow terrorist organizations to exist on this platform yet you cannot have an ex-president of a fucking country to exist like he was like okay this is like going crazy you know like this is becoming too much and I absolutely agree with him because I work in digital land. I, you know, I sort of tell my friends like I I live in this dystopian country that that, that does not exist. Um, that's this digital landscape that today we are looking at. And I see that you're not a citizen of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like I feel like you know, like the future is more of just fucking chill and relax rather than um, work hard and it's a sad news for people and I I understand and you know because one of my uh, you know colleagues were talking about universal basic income and I was like you do not have a fucking idea what the fuck you're talking about because trust me if you paid me how much you know I, I get paid right now I would not work you know you know when people talk about politics and people they treat it as a number rather than people you know they have to understand that people have emotions people are dumb mm. you know people also make fuck lot of wrong mistakes before making even one right mistake or you know one one right decision and right mistakes do happen all the time but it's very rare and the fact that people talk about universal basic income and you know talking about equality i'm like okay you know what is zero zero is there because it's the minimum denomination now in in india if you if you give everybody a thousand rupees then thousand rupees would become zero Mm. like people do not understand that about economy right now when when people talk about universal basic income i'm like you talk about quality of life you talk about stuff that they would require rather than money you know if you said okay you know what if everybody received five kilo of rice that makes sense you know what okay because people need to eat okay five kilos might get them through 20 20 to 25 days of food right that's something that you know anybody any 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 even even a donkey can get behind but when people talk about money as an incentive when they say you know what you you and me you are a doctor i, I am a fucking hobo you get a thousand dollars i get a thousand dollars why the fuck would it work?
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I think I think you're absolutely right there. I'm I'm not personally in favour of the UBI, but it's an idea a lot of socialists seem to quite like, and I never understand why. For for exactly that reason, I don't I don't think it would work. I think what what we should be talking about is you know universal services, like you say, you know food, water, electricity, um, housing all these services should be provided to people as a basic human right. Um, and and that's a far better solution than just giving people a bunch of cash and saying, go spend it on whatever you want. I mean, but like at the same time, um, yeah, I think you you mentioned, um, oh, that, that was it. You mentioned Elon Musk and people like that. Yeah, they are just one bad investment away from, from losing it all and if if you gave everybody an equal amount of money and said okay we're not going to have any inequality of wealth everyone's going to have exactly the same number in their bank account within 100 years we'd be back in exactly the same position we're in now it it wouldn't work for a second i
0: think i think you're overestimating humans capacity just
1: (laughs) two years (laughs) yeah
0: yeah well
1: i i think you might be onto something there but Certainly, it wouldn't work for very long at all. Um, And and the the problem isn't with, you know, inequality of wealth for its own sake. The the problem, I think, is within the whole sort of basic laws, you know, like economic laws, but also like legal rules of the system that 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 well, you know, I think it's a very old old fashioned idea amongst socialists Karl Marx certainly talked about it. It's not a very popular idea now, but one of the first ideas of socialism was to abolish money altogether. Um,
0: (laughs) Sorry
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, it would be great if we could be in a position where that could happen. There are people who say it can. Um, There's uh, the World Socialist Movement, which is mainly based in Britain. There's a group called the Socialist Party of Great Britain, who say that socialism means a, a moneyless global commonwealth? And so they actually have trade, like. Yeah, it's it's a good question. I'll answer that in a second. But um, I was just going to say first, they Sorry. also yeah. do have a branch in India called the World Socialist Party of India, based mm-hmm. in Calcutta, as it
0: happens. Um yes. so you, you know go... the state the state where um, co- communist people take shelter. Oh right, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I see. I see
1: so these these ideas are out there I, i'm i'm quite in favor of a moneyless society myself i think you know it could work um the question about trade is is the question everybody asks me is you know oh how, how would we buy and sell things how would we trade things but the whole point of a moneyless society is um that you don't need to trade things and and the thing about this idea is it could only exist now you couldn't have a moneyless society a thousand years ago in the Middle Ages because we did need to trade things to survive. But in the modern world, where, as I say, we have more more than enough food to feed everybody on the planet several times over, um, I think the phrase a lot of people use is material abundance. Things on our planet today are not scarce. We have more than enough to go around.
0: So um, instead sorry, of but buying... I don't I don't think so. Oh yeah, um just in food, on, just in terms tell, of tell food. me your thoughts on it. Okay. So I am heavily into farming. Like I understand farming way too much. Um, okay. um you know, natural farming, organic farming, chemical farming, whatever the fuck you want to call it as. Like I have studied like agriculture way too much. Um because I'm passionate about food because the day it stops to rain, we're all fucked. You mm. know. <laughs> yeah. Our iPhones can't do shit then. You know. <laughs> <clears throat> um so yeah um i i truly totally think that there is not enough food in the world um to go around if everybody was fed you know how much they should be fed uh yeah that's that's literally not possible um i mean we would need hair cloth mode of work in science to achieve that um yeah so sorry oh. that's that was my one point that we don't have enough food today in today's world and we are probably like you know be uh, people who don't do farming you know it, it's very interesting for them when i say that you know it's just like if you have just like let's say 20 percent less rain in a season you know if if that happens back to back for five let's say four years right four harvest seasons you know the world can only produce around 20 to 22 percent of what we are producing today and they do not understand that math so yeah food is something that I don't think that today we have abundance of it we just have quantity of food not quality of food like that's a whole different conversation right and if you want to rile yourself up if you want to become a mad person pulling out your hair in the middle of the night just look into seeds
1: I, I will definitely check that out. I, I admit I know nothing about agriculture, so I'm more than happy to to take your mm-hmm. word on it. As because the,
0: the day the day you look into seeds, I swear to God, you will go out there, buy a two-acre land, and you will start harvesting your own food. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I, it's, um, it's, it's It would be a great homesteading, you know, homesteading.
1: Homesteading. That would be a lot
0: of fun. Yeah, because I will just give you a simple example. You know, like, let's say you bought a thousand quantity of, Some seed, let's say um, corn, right? Now you'd imagine that once I bought seeds from Uther, right? I said, okay, you know, give me these thousand seeds from a company, and I received those thousand seeds for this season. So, any guess where I will get the next seeds from? From from the seeds you already have, I presume. Right? Self-replicating. Yes, you cannot do that. Oh really? Why not? You will get into legal trouble. They will uh, they will sue you to hell. And really, yes, oh because my god, because they, they have patent on DNA designs of the seeds.
1: Ah, oh well, there you go, that's the problem with the law of property. That is, and
0: that's uh, that's something socialists like me would love to change. <laughs> I, that's what I'm telling you, you you're in the wrong part, dude. You need mm. to look into seeds and just farming, you know. Like, um, for example, I, okay, I, I won't, I will not name companies. Let's say you have farmland, right? You have equipment. Mm okay now there is a satellite out there that has scanned your land correct Mm. now to be able to access your own lands picture you need to pay them on a monthly basis it's like a subscription oh my (laughs) their equipment will do the testing on your soil okay do you want to know what's (coughs) the what's the like moisture level on your of your soil you pay them on a subscription do you, you know, do you want to harvest faster? Okay, buy a premier package. I'm not talking about one-time investment of equipment. I'm talking about monthly Netflix charges on farming. Mm, that's like people don't understand this shit, I think. And I, it really gets me angry because you can have satellites out there, but if food does not come out of soil, you're fucked.
1: Right, absolutely. It's the the one basic need is food and water
0: yes and but I also, think, trust oh, sorry, me. Matt. the day you look into agriculture okay you could take on anybody <laughs> and win <laughs> and win by good margin yeah oh fascinating
1: thanks for sharing with me but you know that that stuff about you know subscriptions for, for farming services and private corporations patenting seeds this is this is a perfect example of what w- why I think we should have a socialist system instead of a capitalist one is because If these technologies and these, you know, patents were owned by everybody, if they were commonly owned by, you know, the the heritage of mankind and everybody could, you know, go out and use their own seeds, crops, whatever equipment without having to pay somebody else for it, you'd be giving people the opportunity to become self-sustainable. And, and that's what socialism is really all about at the end of the day. Yes, it's equality, but it's also autonomy. Giving individuals the chance to live their own lives without having to beg for work from from large corporations or for government welfare, you know, giving individuals the freedom to m- make their own living is what it's all about as individuals, as communities, as whole societies. It's the goal we should be aiming towards like Mm -hmm. the idea that a private corporation can patent seeds is, is dystopian, Mm -hmm. but it's a perfect example of why capitalism isn't working, you know?
0: Yeah. And as we are ending, like walking towards the end of this episode, I just want to make you question your reality, let's say, so, Mm. you know how you bought the seeds from a company and you know, you have sold it in your fucking land. So do you want that plant to grow faster? Yeah. Then you have to buy the fertilizer from that same company. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I presume, you know, you have price gouging and stuff like that. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, like you will not know how to use the fertilizer. Do you want training? Yeah, you better pay us. And today's farming is so similar to British occupation of India to me. Right, right. Yeah. You know, here is a small story, you know, how we were talking about Victorian era uh, textile mills and, mm. you know, like my blood starts to boil every time, um, you know, someone mentions that because British or Britain's industrial revolution took place on the base of deindustrialization of India. I've read so, about this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it did. so here is what happened, you know, we picked cotton. Okay, and we were only allowed to sell cotton to British, (laughs) British took the cotton, okay, made into textile and And sold it it back to us with 400% premium. And we could not import any other clothes. And even after all this, we produced around 1.5 million uniforms in World War One, and around 3.8 million uniforms in World War Two. Wow despite all these economic sanctions that's impressive yeah so yeah. you know in some wavelength you know in some frequency i'm with you i'm like fuck capitalism you know i like that kind of <laughs> socialism but yeah. i'm also afraid i won't be able to drive that ferrari
1: <laughs> if i can promise you a ferrari are you going to become a socialist then
0: <laughs> yes you, you 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 just lobbied me yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, yes, not bribed. I did not bribe you. Yeah, <laughs> you lobbied me. Yeah. Well, un- under socialism, everyone's going to be driving Ferraris, I promise. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. No, no. <laughs> for environmental
1: <laughs> reasons, we might have to stick with the railways. For yeah, bit.
0: not that. But, you know, it's like, then I would want a Bugatti. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> I just want something faster than everybody else, you know. <laughs> um, And I think this is a nature of human that we are built to overreach. Hmm. You know, because he, let's say, you know, I gave you, let's say, two apples and you were able to feed two people. Then you're like, OK, let me get four so that I could fo- you know, feed four. And you know, then is, there is no maliciousness in that intention. You're mm. just good intention person. But it's also like you're taking food away from animals, organisms and maybe people. Right. Yeah, I see what you mean. But let's
1: I, I'd like to think, let's hope that we can sort of work together towards a more cooperative society, a less Mm -hmm. profit-driven society. And I do think that, you know, one day when we have the technology, whether it's tomorrow or in a 100 years, let's just get rid of money and Mm -hmm. let's all work together, you know, because this this competitive society is not working.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, I think I kind of feel that, you know, people need to stop sitting on their high posts you know, you are a, you you are a commie, you know, you are a fucking, you know, like, whatever, whatever, you know, people want to label each other. I'm like, shut the fuck up, because you eat the same food, you live in the same country you drink the same water. And mm. if the same stream is poisoned, everybody's fucking dead, like there is no one to argue.
1: Right? Yeah, we we all
0: need to work together.
1: And right? I, I agree, you know, we're we're all citizens of the world. In some sense, mm-hmm. we all have the same basic needs
0: yeah because when people shit on marxists or you know karl marx himself or whatever the fuck right mm. i'm like yeah so what are you gaining by doing that okay yeah. you you pointed out five weaknesses of whatever it is right dictatorship but dictatorship initially was a positive thing <laughs> people mm. don't understand that and democracy was a fucking evil thing because the initial democracy was built on a slave economy and right. people don't understand that right so i'm like okay so what like just think that you are also part of history and people people overestimate present they're like you know what this is it guys this is it we are here you know we can have fucking vaccines drink beer and die and i'm like yeah that's what happened before prohibition in the united states people probably drank too much that's how it led to prohibition now yeah. you know like now people will say you know like um you know, I want you know, people need more land. Yeah, that's why you know British built such a big empire, even when they, they did not have people to support it. You know, it's that simple. But people pretend like, you know, okay, you know what, uther you know, you're an asshole and I'm the I'm the great person. It does not work like that, right? Because I am an asshole and you're an asshole too. You know, everybody has their own weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I certainly have a few. Yeah, and you know, people often forget that you know, people are just people. And all these people that we look up to, like, you would look up to Winston Churchill. And I'm like, fuck Winston Churchill, because he fucked over my country. Yeah. Right. But you don't see me like out there putting out cancel Winston Churchill. I, I think a lot of British people are doing that at the
1: moment. It's a big debate. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. yes. I think um, I think
1: we're arguing over the wrong things.
0: I think yeah. Arguing. And also we are we are so like fixated on wrong, wrong ideologies. like you know what either i want socialism i want capitalism or i want fucking dictatorship okay let's let's try to find a middle ground here Mm. right because let's say if i if i was in british right if 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 i was a british right now you would vote for left wing i would vote for right wing but we would have to live in the same flat (laughs) yeah right you know your flat is built with the same cement that my flat is built with and i hope it's a good quality yeah right? I mean what I'm trying to you know like make people understand is people are just people like they eat shit drink and breathe it's the same thing that every animal does on this planet and people become civil when they're developed you know when they're very comfortable they're civil right because hmm. Uthar, bill, trust me if there was food shortage in this world right now me and you we would not be sitting down like this <laughs> no. Right, no. <clears throat> so it's like it's like you know, civility is necessary for us, but we also have to understand people are just people, you know. Like now, everybody says you know Nigerians are scammers, Indians are scammers. Yeah, you know why? Because it takes lot of brain to scam someone, mm. right? <laughs> Sorry, it's it's just a weird joke. It's like you know, um, why are Westerners scammed so easily? Um, because they are self self obsessed. Interesting. <laughs> Maybe you're onto something. I don't know. <laughs> hey, look these these scammers are just people learning new skills in the marketplace. Yeah, they're just finishing you demand. out of your own money. And <laughs> you see, and people people like it's it, people say it's robbery. I'm like, no. If you say that scamming is robbery, then you are not seeing a real robbery. Mm. <laughs> right because the degree of violence and the degree of um you know stress a person goes through a robbery and scam are two different things because once once a savage act and another is a magic magicians act you know (laughs) that's that's a great way of putting it i'd never thought of it like that right so it's like people don't and also like why do nigerians do that or you know why do why do people do that why do even indians do that because they don't have other opportunities to use their you know like weird ass brains and they are like, you know what? Let me go scam much of people. And even they are wrong in their own presumption of saying, you know, all white people are rich. Mm. <clears throat> oh yes, absolutely. I'm certainly not rich. If anybody wants to give
1: me some money, please feel mm-hmm. free.
0: Yes. Uh, and you know, just to end to end it, end with it, I don't I don't understand white privilege. Like You mean you not. don't
1: understand the idea of it?
0: I don't believe it. I don't trust it. Mm. Because um you see if it was like all cops are white yes there is going to be (laughs) you know like white supremacy or white privilege whatever people want to call it as but when you have all mixed races becoming cops and you know working in army working as politicians working as policy makers and trendsetters and all these things it's very hard to say that you know only black people are targeted or you know only asians are targeted you know because even in United Kingdom, you could see that a lot of Indians get fucked with because of racism. Yet, if you see, Indians are the most successful immigrants in any country. Lot, it's not because, oh, sorry, yeah, no. it's, it's not because you know like they are sensitive or you know they have some privilege. It's just that they don't give a fuck because they are, they have seen harder things, you know. Because I'm pretty sure you know like if if you rear-ended a person in a car in United Kingdom, it would not break out into a fight immediately. Where in India, it's show on and you know, like, it's like Smackdown right now, right? God. So it's like, you know, people have seen badder things and people in developed countries do not understand that.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people talk about these things. as like, oh, first world
0: problems. I'm sure there yeah. are problems with
1: it. I'm, I'm not an expert.
0: Uthar, but... he, here here is a simple example I'll give you. If you have 10 friends and because you are from a developed country, I I am willing to bet that at least five to six out of them would be a very diplomatic people. Like Mm. if you ask them, okay, do you like Michael Jackson? They're like, I don't know because he was black, but I don't know. He's white, like, you know, fucking diplomatic people. And that only happens in developed countries. If you come to India, if you ask, do you like Michael Jackson? They're like, yes, I love him. Or I don't, I don't give a fuck. Like I don't, I don't like him. You know, because poor people don't have time to be diplomatic. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, Fair enough. Yeah, I've, I've never been to India. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. perhaps there's something in that. To me, to me, it's all about class. It's all about, you know, where's the money? Where's the power? Those are the mm-hmm. real questions that matter.
0: Yeah. But in India, the, the thing that amazes me is we are so fucking different from each other. And it's so damn different. Like, Well, I mean, it's know. a whole subcontinent. You speak yeah. different languages, right? we have like 64 languages dude. like Mm. and you know like multiple dialects and all of these languages have their own alphabets and grammatic systems and i'm like but how do we coexist because there is a certain you know like society's code that we just follow like you know like Mm. you don't invite my privacy i don't invite your privacy you know we have built a community where people trust each other people support each other and when often injustice takes place. Or society takes it on them to correct that injustice. Maybe you need a, a uniform civil code. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. But, but you know, Uttar, one, one thing in India is we don't give a shit about laws. Really? Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of stuff in India is quite
1: jerry-rigged. Um, oh, what's the word for it? Like makeshift solutions. That's it. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I see that the uh, pictures have... Uh, you know, Indian railways in the sort of third class carriages of all the people sort of shoveling on. And I think
0: that that wouldn't happen mm-hmm. in
1: Britain. with um, The doors open.
0: Yeah. But also the thing is, in India, you have to understand one thing like, you know, the population of Australia and New Zealand. Those when the people travel on trains every day in India, like <laughs> we are carrying the whole damn Australia on trains on wheels. Wow. And that's not taking into consideration the public transportation and private transportation that people have of their own, and that's a scale that um, we are operating at. And Indian railway is also the largest employment provider in the world. Wow! Um, well, my we, my
1: my hats mm-hmm. off to uh, to the Indian railway workers who keep. Yes,
0: that. yeah, because there are like thirteen million of them. <laughs> um, so it's like crazy here. And yeah, of course, if you come from Britain, you might be like introduced to a little bit of chaos. But in it in India, you have to understand it's all like controlled chaos rather than just chaos. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Yes. And you know, like people are far more civil and um, disciplined, than you know, Western media would make you believe especially BCC. i sorry. um, BBC. Yeah. BBC, sorry. Yeah, I I hate that platform so much. Um, I truly totally hate them. Really? Yeah. I I absolutely hate them. Like not only me, but majority of Indians hate BBC. Oh right, um,
1: right. Interesting. Do they say it's
0: biased? It's like this, right? It's like this. If if India achieved, for example, um, you know the space thing that we just did, mm. um, you know the fucking BBC anchor said that you know in India people don't have toilets. Why the fuck are they going to space? I'm like, okay, so what? Like, that's the most like fucking weird comment anybody has ever given, mm. right? Yeah, I
1: think I think India has a lot more to offer than than we're willing to accept. Certainly, I mean, as as a law student, I've read um, court cases from India. I think a mm-hmm. lot of Indian judges are fantastic. They have some brilliant ideas that mm-hmm. yeah, learning over here, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, if if a wife beats a husband, it's not considered as domestic violence really wow yeah i'm just getting into weird things of india i don't want to get into now <laughs> um yeah but if if your wife beats husband like it's not called as domestic violence you cannot report it
1: shocking
0: yeah, yeah. unless it's like grievous injury uh, sorry grievous injury you, you can report it but it, even then it won't be considered as um you know domestic violence Yeah, it's, like, very twisted here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah.
1: Um, just, just before you wrap up, by the way, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to say, um, first, of, thanks for having me on, um, but also any, anybody who um, wants to check out more of the things I've been talking about, um, go online and look at the website of the World Socialist Movement, uh, and there is the World Socialist Party in India as well. I'm sure they'll have their own website.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, just
1: put, put that out there for anybody who wants mm-hmm. to do further reading around the subject.
0: Sure. So, yeah. So this is kind of the end of the episode. And to my listeners, thank you very much. You have a lot of patience. And to Yuthar, thank you very much for making time. Thank you so uh, much for having me. It's been a great... Looks great like discussion. you are a very busy chap. So thank you very much like for making time. Um, and anyways, the website will be in the episode description. So anybody who wants to check it out, please just go and check it out. Unfortunately, I I can't find Uther on the fairyland of digital social media. I got Um, got rid of my
1: Facebook and Twitter. It's, mm -hmm. it's a very good way to waste my own time. Mm -hmm.
0: Got it. So yeah, if you want to criticize Uther, you have no way of doing that um, (laughs) because you cannot reach him, (laughs) which is a very good thing and awesome thing um so yeah thank you very much and until the next episode take care and bye 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 bye